What is the future state of your business? I'm your host of the Cloud Sherpa Podcast. My name is Joey Muggs, and I'm joined today by my fellow millennial and brother in Christ, Mike G from the Dev Org Group for a cup of coffee. This straightforward talk dives into how business will be affected tomorrow by the people, processes, and technology choices of today, and how our methodologies overlap with treating customers like the Amado Day. I hope you enjoy this conversation. We uh, just thank you that we get to uh, talk about you. Really, just that's what we want to do is boast in you. Uh, so help us to do that today and uh, enjoy this meal. We'll brush this with them. Just hello. focus on organizational people issues, right? Like if we were to look at people, process, and technology, mm -hmm. right? Of those three, you focus more on the people and how that affects the process? How would you identify? It, it, and I would always answer that question with, it depends on the situation. Okay. It always depends on the situation, the approach. So it could start with uh, the process. It could start with technology. Uh, whatever the greatest pain point is, and whatever is going to lead us to the fastest route to the solution. But ultimately, people are attached to everything that we do. Okay. Whatever decisions we make, people are going to be behind it. Um, especially as we think about people's engagement with the business. Your leader. You go home. Anybody goes home. If they're working for a boss or, or, or a leader that is um, treating them in a negative way, in a way that hurts their feelings, in a way that puts them down, they're gonna go home and they take that home. Yeah, I believe There's that. no, I, I, I don't believe in complete exclusion of personal and business because if I stub my toe at home before I get to the office, my toe still hurts when I'm at the office. <laughs> I'm gonna still limp while I'm at the office. Yeah. I'm bringing something that happened to me personally, I'm bringing it to me to the office. Yeah. So if my daughter is sick, um, and, and the school calls me and I'm at work, I still have to go pick her up. Like that still interrupts my situation. So there's no complete exclusion of work and business, but um, I think the way we're treated, the way our experiences will determine, you know, sometimes our overall health in the workplace. That's very true. Will determine how much we call out. Will That's determine true. how many sales we get. Um, will determine whether we do things ethically or not. I've known people that reported to someone that was very difficult and they did a lot of unethical things in in their uh, in their role because their boss was so difficult to work with. So they were intentionally doing things to meet the expectations that were that were, that were perceived. Yeah, and that were perceived at that moment. Um, when in reality, it, it, it probably wasn't the expectation of the boss. They just didn't know the proper expectation. Um, okay. So I think, um, yeah, it, it, depending on the scenario, no matter what, always go back to people. And as believers, that's we have to, That's what we. That's who we're thinking about anyway. Are the people? How are the people impacted? How are the people treated? Um, ultimately, how will the way we treat people affect community? 
Yeah. When you think about even that. Especially when we talk about how culture is always kind of a pinnacle point of most businesses. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what problem we're solving. If we ask what's important to you as a business, culture comes up a lot. Um, And I find it's more of like a culture shock to people Mm -hmm. than it is them making a culture. We're actually baptizing some random person who met qualifications into our system. Right. Assuming you acclimate to our way of doing things or you're not good for our culture. Right. So seeing how it can be one of these different circumstances, we run into this too as a business where we find a problem in looking for technology that actually uncovers the people problem. Mm -hmm. And so even if we were to install the technology, in this case, that bottleneck will actually stop implementation from working correctly. And it becomes then a loss to us, a net loss in context of business. Mm -hmm. But I think we gain a far stronger relationship where we can say, hey, this person, we kind of got to f- address these problems first. Right. So for you guys, give a quick snapshot. How is it that you source and like, uh, what's your main motive when you're impacting an organization and getting hired? Your goal is to ID the problems and then install people or ID problems and give them a roadmap. How, how would you describe that? So we want to make sure that we're leaving the company with a return on investment, either from speed of execution of how they're serving their customers, mm-hmm. um, retention of their employees, uh, their way of gaining sales. Like we want them to have a tangible experience with the solutions that we give them from a dollars and cents standpoint. Okay. Um, I think when we say this idea, a lot of organizational development professionals live in the philosophical or the, uh, the like theorists yeah the theoretical type of world and then convert it into application as okay. much as possible we want to focus in on application as much as, as as the primary we want to address very specific things like if we say okay culturally here's some things that are going on and great but how does that impact the bottom line mm-hmm. how does that lead to cost savings how does that lead to more revenue how does that lead to greater retention how does that lead to um a a a a more effective management base dollars and cents that's how we want to calculate everything so um so when we're working with with uh with organizational leaders or business owners we're addressing any problems that we have to either first we create clarity what is the issue at the root cause that might mean mapping out physically the processes whatever needs to happen physically but we create the clarity and then we start to help them solve the uh, low-hanging fruit okay yeah first first quick wins yeah Yeah. here are the quick wins that we can solve and these might be work structure related these might be um there's a skill gap with the with the manager and the employees this could be there's a communication gap between departments and so here's ways that we could solve it these things will create immediate ROI because now they can invest into what could be technology. They can invest because they have ROI here. They, the cost savings, the increased revenue, et cetera, mm-hmm. they can now invest into what would be future state for the organization, gotcha. which is ultimately what we want to get to. We want to look at where does the company stand today, current state? Where do you see yourself in three years? But really where... Where should the business be in three years if you had a linear trajectory to that place? And what are the gaps that will 
prevent you from getting there? What are the bottlenecks? What is the what are the external things that are happening in the uh, in in the marketplace that are preventing you from getting to that future state? Knowing all those things and creating systems within the organization that are going to get us there. And many times those systems are lack of what I just said: communication between departments. Yes. Um, lack of synergy uh, between departments. Maybe it's lack of clear process from an accounting perspective. Maybe the sales team is not processing their accounts uh, payable, you know, in the right way or, or receivable in the right way, or, or they, they might be doing some things wrong and then the accounting department is behind. Yeah. And that's causing significant problems. And you talk to the CFO, he's like, yeah, you know, we're, you know, we're always month end instead of closing month in in three days, it's taking us 10 days and we're chasing people. And I was like, really? It's taking you that long? Well, yeah, because so now we have to go back to what systems are in place for everyone to be able to funnel back this way. And oftentimes it's not even technologically based. It's people based. Yes, right. So once we solve the people disparity or the expectation changes or who's responsible for submitting this, it sometimes is like the clarity is just that. Like who is responsible for actually hitting the button to go over here? And once that's solved then he expedites it and this department now yeah. is like oh thank you for finding the root cause yeah. but we just thought from this department we thought you guys were just you know rebellious yeah and wanted to <laughs> cause us heartache well no everyone wants to do a good job and wants to get paid well and they want to go home with that little drama as possible that's the assumption that we make yeah. but that's how we that's how we function we function from that perspective to ultimately create clarity solve some of those media pain points, generate immediate ROI so that we can invest into what the future is like. Is there like a main approach that you will always kind of make the baseline? Like for, for instance, we find that in our world, it's not about being a technology expert in our world. Although we procure technology as right. our business, our expertise is actually in the procurement side of it. Mm -hmm. But that is a result of our discovery. So us doing a good discovery on the front end will determine, okay, you don't think you have a budget for this, but actually if we do an audit, we'll find that there's actually money you're reallocating in the, or you're allocating to the wrong places or it's not being utilized well because of, like you're saying, mm -hmm. a button's getting pushed a day late, which right. is causing a week of delay. And once we figure that out, all of a sudden there's now a new, bu new budget that can go toward these technology changes. The point is not to say that the technology isn't important. Right. The point is to say for us, Procure the procurement is. But that procurement is important because the discovery is. Right. So is there like an approach like that with you guys where it seems like there's a front-end discovery? Yeah, it's the same. We're going to lay out what's important yeah. first. It, it, discovery, um, that's where we do the clarity. That's where we get the clarity. So sometimes for us, discovery is an initial conversation that leads into the project. And then the full discovery is us being able to go into the organization and map things out. So right. things like your 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 uh, scorecards, how long it takes employees to, to do their work. Okay. What are they actually doing? What are the steps that they take? Um, maybe it's high. It's a higher level. I mean, it's like a SIPOC looking at how, what feeds into the business, who are the players, and then what is the process that gets fed from all these elements yeah. that people don't even know about. They just know they show up to work and they're pushing yeah, buttons. Right. They don't really know all that goes in and who's impacted. So the hands, the outs. Um, so for us, a full discovery involves that. And that's part of the project yes. is, is getting the clarity at the business side. And it could reveal financial discrepancies where there might be a net, net negative in the organization. And we are finding that out through the clarity. And we get to pinpoint exactly what is causing that net, net negative. And when you draw it back, you realize there might be an org structure fallacy. Yeah. Right. Or there's a, you know, you're paying 
way too much for a CRM that your market, let's say marketing team is not even leveraging properly and they don't have any KPIs associated with their work. As we're digging in and we're getting the clarity, we're finding there's no KPIs, there's no, there's nothing that is driving their work, but you're paying this much for that. So either we have established KPIs, so now we can track to see how things are going, or we have to change the platform yeah. that you're paying twelve hundred dollars more yeah, for. Yeah, and save you some money exactly. for what you don't need. So, so there's elements of that in, in, in not just what they're spending, but also the performance of the mm-hmm. team. So just the, the discovery for us is that that the fullness of the discovery is that, and that's part of the project for us. It's interesting because I very much find that KPIs, are, especially today, are measured incorrectly. Like co- companies will largely have KPIs, but be measuring them in a way that was prior to COVID. And now it's like there's certain KPIs that don't matter the same way. Mm-hmm. It's not that they don't matter at all. But like if I get a survey at the end of a phone call, in most cases, that survey, whether or not it's asking me if I would recommend the company, doesn't dictate how satisfied I was with that interaction. Mm-hmm. So even just a bare, right. simple right. CSAT, right? Isn't right. necessarily communicating to the business effectively what my take was as a customer. Right. And because they're geared more toward how they think it should be important. Yeah. They, there's like this leverage of not willing or refusal to not leverage what I ought to now. So here's an example I'll use pretty commonly. If Mike takes... The common call time should be no more than 10 minutes. And Mike takes a call that on average is more than 10 or it's like 12 or 13 minutes. He's over. So he's always going to look like he's red or, you know, you know, laying on the yellow line. But if he has more one call closes, does it matter? Exactly. Right. Exactly. If I can enable Mike to also communicate more times with this customer. So maybe by the time they get to Mike, they've already been filtered through some social media lead or some something like that right. for the company. But if I can give Mike access to that lead when it comes in through the Facebook Messenger or the WhatsApp, right. can I reduce the amount of touch points that he needs to make or right. call time because I'm enabling him more throughout the process? Right. So I like hearing that. Like you kind of help figure out where what, what needs to get measured. Like what actually is impacting the business? Yeah. And sometimes when you peel back the layers and you're looking at going back to the idea of future state we're trying to achieve this future state what is really what's the main goal and what are the main handful or maybe one kpi that drives us to get there and once we know that you reverse engineer to span out all the other kpis that are activities which support the primary so the primary is revenue yeah and we're saying we have to hit 50 million there's no two ways about it for us to get to that future state would be a 50 million revenue okay so now that you have that number in mind, let's reverse engineer. What would it take conceptually to get to 50 million? How many of these you have to sell? How many of the packages? How many, whatever, whatever it is that make up to get there. And where are we today? Yeah. And how do we bridge that gap to be able to literally hit these numbers based off of activity? But in order to look at those numbers, we have to make sure, are those numbers accurately measured? Yeah, are they important numbers? For uh, yeah, are they measure? important enough to drive that? And if they're not, let's change the way our framework of looking at it. So it, it's very, there's a creative element to it. There's an artistic element to be able to look at it, sit back, get a cup of coffee, kind of you know brainstorm a little bit to say, is, there, is that the right way to approach it? And many times you get the answer by asking the employees, yeah, I, that's true. Very true. You just ask them. You just say, hey, you know, I'm looking at whatever and you're measured by time. Talk to me. Exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I closed sales at the 13th minute, but they want me to do it in 10 minutes. Okay. 
what's causing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, come to find out, my supervisor's asking me for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So because they're asking me for these things, I have to spend the extra time with the client to get that information. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, my, my manager is going to ask me for this information. Oh, so that's adding to your time. Mm-hmm. So now we have to go back to the manager. Hey, why are you asking for these things? <laughs> and figure all of that out to create the bridge because I, real quick example, I, I remember working with uh, a department leader that was blaming the employee for uh, production. And the employee was saying, well, it's, I'm, there's too much value. But the manager's like, well, that's the work. And once you sort of pull back the layers, everybody in the department was suffering from a production perspective, it was just that one was vocalizing it. They were show, visibly showing the stress, wow. but all of them were behind. Well, we dug and we did all the numbers <laughs> yeah. and pulled back, wait, nobody's hitting goal. Yeah. Nobody's hitting goal, but you all are measuring the department success by one number. That one number you're hitting every time. Yeah. But what about the other five numbers that are associated with their roles? Now, when you look at it, they're at 50% of the goal. <laughs> Let's figure out how to get to 100% of the goal yes. and relieve the stress of the employee. And once we did that, we did the whole restructure and we did the full, you know, org restructure and we changed things up. Um, that employee ended up staying another year now mm. because now there was relief. Yeah. Now they had they had specializations of their goals. So they were able to focus and actually hit goals. Yeah. But in that sense, the manager was totally oblivious to what this person was saying. And that happened. And that's what we try to address is looking at the root cause and understanding that example that you gave. Supposed to take 10 minutes, person sitting 13, they can actually get the sale in 10 minutes, but manager, you are asking for this additional information. Let's change the intake. Let's yeah. change that process. Let's use technology to help this person be able to close a sale in seven minutes. Yeah. How about that? It's interesting too, because like there, I've worked in organizations where it's like there is a level of expectation that's intended to be set prior to the call. So a call is going to get transferred into you, right? By the time you get the call, you're an inbound agent. Yeah. Okay. There's two points of contact prior to me speaking with you as a consumer. One of them is um, to the original, oh, this isn't hospitality. So now I'm, I'm contacting the location I'm going to stay at. They tell me, okay, your confirmation is ready to go. Would you like to hear a special offer? So at the very least, I as a consumer should know I'm going to get transferred right now and I'm going to hear a special offer. While I'm on hold, that IVR that's speaking mm-hmm. is also stay online and you're going to hear a Planting special offer. Like, right. And then by the time they get to the agent, at least at the time that I was here, many times the agent would have to recapture data that should have been transferred from the location. Mm-hmm. So who am I? Okay. I have a pleasure to speak with. This is Joey. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? So now I'm re-asking you your name when you already should have your information uploaded on the screen which is going to cause unnecessary strain for me as a customer during my journey. Right. And if I didn't listen to the fact that they set the expectation to hear a special offer or I'm more frustrated while I'm on hold, I'm not listening to the message. Now this is a, it's, it's, I'm, you paid for it as an inbound lead, but I'm a cold call for all intents yeah. and purposes. Yeah. And so we've ill prepared the agent to deal with a cold call, right? Then the agent is now trying to already play recovery. Right. And starting on the foot of reiterating things that should have already been captured. Not to mention all the other things that we mentioned, like the KPI that's being measured yeah. on them might be incorrect, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I might be measured on volume, but if I sell more specialty packages, does it matter that I'm not hitting my volume goal right. if I'm hitting the specialty packages, which are part of the business's 
strategic partnerships, right? right, right? right. Like, so there's all these different break fixes. Yeah. Um, and so when you're using something like technology, do you leverage AI right now at any point in your either recruiting or with laying out your plans? Like, are you leveraging anything in that space? Depending on the organization, um, we will use, uh, so right now what's pretty uh, uh, popular for our clients currently uh, is the quote automation process to be able to help uh, clients identify and, and quote for their projects instead of having to do it manually and create uh, custom situations for whoever they're working with, we use an, an automation pl platform with AI built in to be able to say, oh, you chose this, here's some suggestions, and then they can just kind of move from a customer's perspective, move along in the quoting process to where you cut down quoting from, in some cases, insurance company, going from a 30 minute quote, listening to a person to now this is part of their intake, and they're getting a call within five minutes or four minutes. Um, so, so yes, um, AI in that respect has played a really big part for for the customers to get um, you know what they're looking for 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 quoting, helping to reduce um, or increase bandwidth from whoever is doing it. So it's primarily the owners because it's a small business. Now they don't have to participate hands on; they can just get on the follow up call. Um, so, so things like that. I mean, there's other examples uh, for for AI, but um, I, I think every company needs to look at AI seriously, and and there's easy ways to leverage AI. Uh, you know, ChatGPT. There's you know, you're a coder, you're a marketer. Like, there's great ways to use uh, AI, but um, but I think a lot of small businesses are hesitant, reluctant to embrace the upcoming technology, even though it's been around forever, mm. they're hesitant and reluctant to go that route because of the fears of them being replaced as a, as a, as a business. Yes, yeah, right, which is strange. I, yeah. get, I get why, but it's also a, yeah. a bit strange. Like you're unwilling, again, you're, you, you'd rather go stick with a carrier pigeon instead of learning how to just use a text message and Correct. depending on it because of the unfamiliarity. Correct. So I, I think there's certain locations like a coffee shop you, there's a lot of ways to use AI in in a in a coffee shop setting, let's say. Whether it's the back of the house, whether that's front of the house, whether that's finding a way to get people to to engage with each other. Like there might be multiple ways you can do that. Is it necessary? It depends on kind of the trajectory. It depends, <laughs> it depends. on the future yeah. state. Yeah. What is your future state? What are you trying to accomplish? And I think that's where business owners they have to make the decision at the end of the day. What are they trying to accomplish? And what are those external variables that can put you out of business? Mm. So you have a lot of companies that are coming up right now. And I think even even for you know the purpose of this conversation, the businesses that we're a part of, there are threats to our existence with technology. So do you wait until it's too much or do you do you partner with? Yeah. Instead of combating, do you partner with so that you're traveling together this venture of you know what? What is AI? What is yeah. you know uh, any form of technology that will be out? Um, do you combat it? Do you resist it? Or do you say, well, let me let me become a partner with it because this is going to help me stay in business for the next ten years yeah. um, instead of the day to day stuff? I mean, like I mean, look at any of these fast food restaurants. Like, there's some that are fully. Dude, autonomous like yeah no there's like some people they're maybe one person just doing quality checks yeah there's banking centers that for years now i mean 10 20 years now they're fully 
just robotic, if you will, and there's one person doing quality checks or just yeah. whatever, but nobody's there for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So if that is the competitor or if that is a future state for everybody, then we have to be mindful of that because just like this, you become irrelevant in yeah. the marketplace. And now people are looking for jobs that you want to get paid $20 an hour. Yeah. You can't do that if you're a cashier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's coming out of your check that we're paying you the 20 Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. There's that part. That's a good point.